Welcome to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. The aim of the podcast is to get us all talking about money more. Talking about money is still considered to be a taboo. We don't talk about money enough. Women don't talk about money enough. And that needs to stop. In this podcast, my guests and I talk about money, mindset, and how to turn around limiting beliefs, allowing you to develop a healthy, wealthy money mindset. Our relationship with money doesn't just affect our finances, but impacts every aspect of our business. And most of all, our own sense of self-value and self-worth. By mastering your mindset, you can in turn master the money you make in your business. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Let's Talk Money and More with me, your host, Leslie Thomas. I am super excited to introduce today's guest to you. It's time to show up, wise up, and rise up with the Queen Bee herself, Danny Wallace. Danny is a self-confessed former serial self-saboteur. Having grown up on the council estates of Preston, Danny has survived the adversity of domestic violence, homelessness, and single parenthood to become a leading voice in empowerment and has quickly become one of the most exciting motivational speakers to hit the UK stage in a long time. Fearless leader of the I Am the Queen Bee movement and creator of the Fly Anyway Foundation, Danny helps people the world over show up, wiser, and rise. And is a reminder to anyone who enters her orbit that they too, regardless of their journey, can hashtag fly anyway. Welcome, Danny. It is so, so good to have you here with us today. First of all, Leslie, thank you so much for having me on on your podcast. It is such an honour, particularly talking about money. Um, I work predominantly in the online space after many years in corporate uh, and also in entertainment. And money is a funny thing. It makes people behave in funny ways. So, Danny, what I'd first of all like to ask you, what is your money story? So my money story is um, is a funny one. Uh, it's not funny at all. It's actually pretty tragic. <laughs> and I, I love it that you can laugh about it now. And I think that is powerful in itself. Yeah, I think, well, I, I, I've had a lot of healing to do with regards to money and actually understanding what money is. So if I go right back to the very beginning, so I um, grew up on the council estates um, in the northwest of England in a, a city called Preston. And where money was concerned, it was hard won. And for you had to exert a lot of energy in order to garner or yield very little results. So, you know, the people that were around me, the people that were certainly in employment, because there were very few role models I had, like specifically around entrepreneurship or self-employment, you had to work all the hours God sent for minimum wage or just above. Everyone was on the breadline. You know, the general rule of thumb was when you asked for something, it was, no, I can't afford that. In fact, um, anything big and and the whole um, thinking around money was, it was going to happen to us one day. 
but it wasn't happening for us right now. And if it was got, if money was going to happen to us, if we were going to come into money, that's what we would do. It would be via the means of fate. So we would have to win the lottery in order to do anything. And that was a real standard answer for a lot of my family and a lot of my friends when I was growing up. And I still hear this today. So I would say to my mum, I grew up in the, in the eighties, early nineties, and uh, there would be, I mean, Disneyland Paris had just opened and there's a lot of talk around Disney World and it was really the thing to aspire to was to go to Disneyland. So I'd say to my mum, mum, can we go to Disney World? Yes, darling, when we win the lottery. Which was essentially saying to me, never. We're never going to win the lottery, so we're never going to go to Disneyland. So all of these things that had money or finance, or a lot of finance um, or money attached to it, they weren't for me. And that's really where my money story started was that money wasn't for me. If I was going to come into money, I would have to be very, very lucky. <laughs> yeah. And I, I hear that a lot, you know, in clients that absolutely. And we and we know this to be true, that our money story, our money mindset is definitely formed in our childhood as a result of what we hear our parents right. saying to us. Yeah. So what have you done subsequently to change your parents' money story, your mum's money story, into a money story that you own today? Well, there's been a lot of healing that I've had to do around around worthiness, I think, around money. Um, if I if I look at how people with money were talked about, actually, they were talked about with a lot of jealousy. Um, but if, if somebody had money or they'd done something that was expensive, they would be called flash. Uh, normally, like with, with a bit of a swear attached to it. Um, when, when I first started to make money, um, I remember like my, my stepdad particularly was really almost resentful of me creating a life for myself that I really wanted, uh, you know, far beyond what my parents had experienced, you know, what my friends, what my family have experienced. Uh, this worry, I don't want to swear, but this, this idea of being flash or being a show off. And it, it wasn't that. It, it, it was just, I wanted more for myself. People talk about being the black sheep of a family. I wasn't necessarily the black sheep. I would like to refer to myself as the unicorn of the family. Um, whereas I could really see more for myself. I, could, I didn't want to settle for the fact that this was our lot. So there was a lot of self-awareness that had to happen and that didn't really happen until my mid-20s. And really, my early 30s is when I first really could notice the benefits of healing my relationship with money. So with regards to worthiness, I would maybe even come into money and immediately go and spend it on everybody else. No sooner had I got hold of money, I would, you know, have a, a throw a party or a barbecue for my friends and invite everybody around. And all of a sudden that money that I'd come into had gone. Or I was left a very, very tiny amount, just a few hundred pounds uh, by my grandma in a will. Um, that immediately went on a holiday that I'd never been able to go on, but it was gone immediately. There was no holding on to it. There was no real scope for investment. What did investment look like? I don't know. How did you save? I don't know because we lived hand to mouth. There was never enough months at the end of the money. So even when I grew up, well, I use the term grew up in a very loose sense, but even when I grew older and I moved into employment, 
and I'm very talented. I'm, I'm lucky and I can toot my own horn. Again, this is a lot of the self-awareness and worthiness work I've been doing. I'm very good at what I do. So I moved into singing. I um, also worked in corporate, had some great jobs in corporate. And how funny it was that even though I was on sort of like £40,000 a year, something like that, was still managed to have myself living on the breadline. Uh, how I became a self-fulfilling prophecy um, because of what I knew my relationship to be. So I started to realise over the course of time that money was a tool. It was an energy. It was something that I had to learn to love and respect. And I think a lot of people will, will maybe speak about, you know, writing a love letter to money. That blew my mind the first time I did that exercise. Have you come across that before? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah I bet. absolutely. Um, and that concept, and that's really sort of personal development 101 and business development 101 is heal your relationship with money. But that concept blew my mind that if I was to look at the energy of money, like a relationship, I was like, I, I, I want you, but I'm afraid of you. Like the knock at the door for us growing up generally meant that someone was coming around asking for money that we didn't have, or we had to hide behind the settee. Or we didn't answer the door on a Thursday evening because that's when the Provident guy came around to come and knock on for, you know, like that's when they come to knock on uh, for, um, for a, a, a very, 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 very high interest loan repayment. Um, so if, again, if I think about it, like a relationship, I love you, but I'm afraid of you. I, um, want to give you away. If I, if I was to talk about money in the same way as I would talk about love, the way I behaved around money wasn't as though I loved it at all. Wasn't as though I felt myself worthy of receiving it at all. And when I started to change that conversation, honestly, Leslie, real magic started to happen. Yeah. And I, th I think that is so often the case that very often when you feel you have a challenging relationship with money, it ends up being a little bit like a hot potato. Who can I quickly pass it over to? Quick. Because my fingers are burning. Exactly. Right. And I think it's only when you start to have that sense of worthiness do you feel you want to hold on to it. And more than just holding on to it, you want, you want to nurture it and right. you want to do good with it as well. Right. And then as I moved out of corporate and into entrepreneurship, I still found myself at that. I've just got enough. I've only just got enough. So I've got enough to pay the bills and I've got enough to uh, buy the shopping every week. And then when I started to build IATQB, which is my business now, it stands for I am the Queen Bee. When I started to do launches, I grew my team very quickly. So even though on the surface, it looks like, oh, wow, you know, Danny's doing quite well now. She's flush. Actually, I'd expanded my team and invested so much that guess what? I had just enough. So even as my success story started to grow, I again had to alter and realize and become self-aware about what I was doing with my money. I was I putting enough money aside for things like that, corporation tax, personal tax. You know, all of a sudden I was earning all of this money, but actually half of it had already gone before I'd even looked at it and reconciling myself with the fact that I would have to open myself up to more opportunities to earn money and to create wealth instead of just having to grind, 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 grind. So it's had to keep me very creative, I guess. And what have you found has worked for you in terms of changing that relationship with money? 
I think being conscious about it. So I used to hide from things like my credit score because when I was in my late 20s, mid 20s, I actually, I was made, I was, I was made homeless. I had to become homeless uh, because of the money situation that I was in. Um, what had, uh, very briefly, what had happened was that I'd got into a relationship um that had um that was quite toxic i was a victim of domestic abuse um and that person left and left me on my own with two children under the age of 3 now at the time i had this great corporate job that i was talking to you about earlier but in order to maintain stability for both my mental health and the safety of the kids i needed to put them into full time nursery it actually would have been financially better if i'd have come out of work and just claimed benefits for everything but that wasn't it, it, it wasn't what I wanted. I wanted to stay in, in work, right? Because you're told that's the right thing to do. And from a shame point of view, there's a lot of shame that's attached to relying on the systems that are put there to try and support us. Systems that might I add are very difficult to escape once you're in. They create this sense of false security that actually it becomes, you become very fearful to try and break out of that. And that's something else that I had to heal was that I couldn't, I didn't want to be reliant on tax credits, but I was, didn't know how I was going to earn any more than what they were giving me. Um, so anyway, I because I needed to keep my children in nursery and it was at a time when you didn't get the free hours or anything like that and I was earning too much anyway, um, that all of my money was eaten up in nursery fees and feeding the children. So we lost the house and um, it, was, it was there really that I started to consider what I needed to do. It was there I started to really consider how do I be self-aware about this? How do I maintain safety? And now it's everything that I do is being aware about how do I create safety? How do I create, I think being very unsafe like that will, will, will drive that behavior. I think. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think again, that, that is it. When you've been in a situation where money has been a struggle, when you are questioning your sense of, of self-worth, self-value, it can put you in a position of a scarcity mindset, essentially. Right. And it's only when you are able to push through that and break through the other side, can you start to see that the there's an opportunity there that money can offer you to realise a different way of living. Yeah, and that money wasn't out to get me. It's not, a, it, it's not this, you know, money isn't the root of all evil. It's money I found amplifies people. So if they are a nice and kind person, guess what? That kind of amplifies when that person creates wealth for themselves. If that person has a lot of darkness within them, guess what? That amplifies when they create a lot of wealth for themselves. So really it's understanding that money isn't something to be fearful of. It's an amplification tool. And if you allow and it's funny, you know, because I've been so skint that I've not been able to afford food. You know, I've been to food banks. I've had to go and like been to the Salvation Army, come back with me, you know, my porridge and my golden fried rice and my golden microwave rice and all of that sort of stuff. And if somebody had said to me at the time, all you need to do is welcome more money into your life, I would have laughed at them because that's that for me in that real state of survival wasn't something that I could comprehend, bearing in mind that, you know, my money story is that you can only get money by being lucky. I had to realise that, A, 
I had talents and it's okay to say that you are talented. It's okay to uncover those talents. Then it's okay to monetize those talents. And then it is okay to monetize those talents fairly in terms of energetic exchange. Because yes, whilst when I first started out working for myself, yes, I'm very, very talented. I'm a talented singer. I'm a talented coach, but I wasn't charging my worth. And so the energy around the money was really wrong. Um, I was resenting doing the work because it felt like a lot of work to do for not a lot of output. And if you go back right to the beginning of our conversation together, that was the story, right? You do a lot of work for not a lot of output and actually relinquishing that belief. You can charge what feels energetically correct. And someone could say, well, it's energetically correct for me to charge a million pounds to go clean someone's toilet. Well, it could be, but that might not be energetically correct for the person receiving the service. I don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it does take a little bit of of testing, but that whole worthiness piece, that, the acknowledgement of your talents, the acknowledgement that it's okay to accept payment in exchange for sharing your talents is a really great place to start. That whole looking at yourself and saying, what is it that I'm good at? How could I creatively monetize this? How could I use this talent to help somebody? That was a real catalyst for me then to start saying, right, well, I can build a business around this. I can build foundations around this. But already it had to start with acknowledging that I was worthy. Yeah, I was good. And then that allowed me to welcome more wealth in and more acceptance into my life. Yeah, absolutely. And what I've always loved about you and whenever I've heard you talk is that absolute brutal honesty, first of all, as to where you have come from. But the fact you absolutely own who you are and the talents that you have. And I think that is is so empowering to hear because women in particular, we tend to shy away from telling people what we are good at, but then get really, really frustrated when our business doesn't do as well as we want it to do. Right. But how can it do well when we're not telling people what we are good at right and this is a whole like I like I've written a book about this a very small book but I've written a book about this and I came across this phrase actually from a Lizzo I'm a huge Lizzo fan from a Lizzo song and the phrase is closed mouths don't get fed and if you are not and this is why I'm a public speaking coach this is why now it's so so deeply rooted in like your frustration is is so connected to my frustration with particularly women and other marginalized communities that are that are kind of put into the corner if we are not speaking about what it is that we do, how on earth are we going to expect people to want to buy from us to create and generate more wealth within our lives? So that's the welcoming in piece, right? That you've got to share your talents and your energies and your worth and your worthiness with the world in order for energetic exchanges to take place. Only then can you start to welcome in that great energy around money. And then once you have it there, it's then allowing yourself to be worthy enough to say, I can keep and welcome this money in my life. And yes, use some of it as fun money, but actually store some of it to accumulate, store some of it to create more, generate more, invest. What does investment look like? How can I use investment for good? So then once you get like, it's like opening a gate. So you open the gate to let it in, which is great. I've always been really quite good at doing that. 
like my mum said, I've always been a great hustler. I've been great at hustling. But the thing that I've had to learn further on is that how do I keep it? How do I allow that energy to stay around me that I can really stand strong with it and say, do you know what? I am now a wealthy woman. I now have a lovely house. I now have a house that's safe. I now can, I'm able to go on holiday. I'm now able to spend time with my friends. I can treat my kids to nice things. I can put that money away to grow. So once, once you kind of welcome it in, it's then like making a home for it, allowing it to stay and create more and, and generate that. Like if you think of the, the term home, like if you've got, if the money has a home with you, then you know you're only going to do nice and, and, and good things with it, right? And I, I love, you know, the way you talk about creating a home. And I've seen you share, you know, on social media about your beautiful, <laughs> which is the, the, you know, the life that you have now created for yourself from where you were, do you think there is anything that happened you know, in, your, in your childhood around the money story your mum gave you then? Did anything in there drive you to where you are now? Did you need to have that to be where you are now? Um, I, I think, well... If my family had had a healthy money story, I wouldn't have created what I've created. So it's it's my struggles. And I mean, we've only really scratched the surface. My struggles have enabled me to create a business that helps thousands of people. It has allowed me to create a charitable foundation that is going to be helping hundreds and hundreds of domestic abuse survivors to set up businesses. If I had not had the experience that I had, I wouldn't be creating what I'm creating. I don't think I would appreciate it the same either. I'll be very, very honest with you. I can't, I cannot tell you, Leslie, how grateful I am every day. I'm grateful to be able to speak to you. I'm grateful that I was able to pop into the Asda's and go, I'm wearing, I don't know if anyone can see, I don't think they will, uh, but I'm wearing this most snuggly cardigan. It's the most snuggly cardigan in the world from the Asda's. But I was, I'm so grateful that I can nip in the Asda and just go pick some thing up because I fancy it like I can't tell you that that is such a a great feeling I can go and get my nails done if I want to get my nails are very small simple things but when you've had absolutely nothing it's those they're not small simple things anymore I went and I got my nails done yesterday just on a whim oh I'll go get my nails done and it was amazing like I didn't have to think it was 30 pounds I didn't have to think about I remember when I was thinking about 30 pounds that I didn't have how was I going to get that £30? How was I going to get that, you know, how was I going to feed my children? I think when you've experienced that, you can enter into acceptance with more gratitude. And I think more gratitude generates more wealth, however you, me- however you measure it, whether, whether wealth is for you, you know, more time with the family or a, a good relationship or lots of good sex with your partner, like whatever it is, whatever success is or wealth is. When you're really, really grateful you just enjoy everything more. And when you enjoy everything more, you bring more of it to you. And I think if I had not had had those money stories, if I had not had had, and it's the same with relationships as well, relationship stories, then yeah, all right. It it would have negated a whole chunk of time of a lot of struggle. But from, from the pressure, you know, the, the coal is under, the diamond is created, isn't it? And I think that's really... For me, what has happened? 
And I think what would be so good for, you know, people listening in who might be struggling with you know, their money story, might be struggling with their money situation, is to actually know it doesn't have to continue like that. You have the ability to change it. You just have to believe you have the ability to change it yeah. and to recognize the skill set that you have, the value that you bring and that you can be the change that you want to see in your life, essentially. A hundred percent. And kind of going back to what we said, you asked me before, what was one of the important things that I did? There were two. One was that I started to look at my finances. I check in with my bank every day, even though I know what's happening and I know what's coming, but I look, I've got, um, I'm with Starling and I love the fact that it's got little pots for things and I get to save up, I get to put my VAT aside and my corporation tax aside. And then I've got my fun money over here and I've got my wage bill over here. And I've got, you know, I run some like great, great events. I've got my event money over here and I can see what, where all the moving parts are with regards to what I check in with it every single day. And if I say I go a couple of days without checking it, I feel a bit anxious. I feel a bit like a cut, but there was a point in time where I didn't look at that. I didn't look because it felt pointless to look. But by checking in on it every day, and I almost do it subconsciously now, I just dip in and out of my app all the time, just go check my money's still there, go give it a bit of a love and a bit of a pat on the head and thanks for being there, money, and off I pop back into the world again. Um, and my credit file. So really looking at my credit file and listening to what advice that the credit file providers gave. So... I did. There was a period of time after losing the house where I had to wait until you have to wait sort of seven years before bad things fall away. There was nothing I could do to fix it. So I just have to wait it out. And I think that I spent a long time sort of holding on and waiting. And when that all fell away, it was like a clean sheet for me. I was able to breathe again, but I check in again every month. I check in with my credit file, make sure everything's happening as it should be, make sure there's nothing on there that's untoward. When I started looking, I gained control back over it. So even looking at a poor credit score, the control or the empowerment came from knowing I only had three more years to wait, two more years to wait, one more year to wait. That one more year, that's when I started planning the mortgage for my house. That's when I started to really start to put money away so that I could afford the deposit for my house is that I knew I didn't have to wait anymore. And you gain back control with that knowledge. So by checking in with my credit file regularly now allows me to keep on top of everything and allows me to act accordingly. If I get thrown any curveballs and checking in with my bank, the second thing, asking for help, surrounding myself with people who know what they're doing, like yourself, Leslie, having a great, having somebody in my life that is great with money to ask questions was honestly paid dividends. Oh, and you know, oh, people wouldn't have seen me doing this, but when you said I check my bank every day, sometimes several times a day, I was silently clapping because that is one of the very first things I tell my clients to do. Don't hide away from the numbers on your bank account at all, because it doesn't change the numbers. Even if you're not ch checking and tracking, it doesn't change the numbers. But as soon as you do that, you do exactly as you said, you empower yourself and you take back control. So the numbers aren't then something to be frightened of. The numbers are just information. So if the numbers are information, then you choose what you do with that information. So if the number, if you don't like the numbers, guess what? You've got to think about what you've got to do to change those numbers. 
<laughs> and that sounds really simple, but it's exactly that. If you've got 500 pounds in your account, you think, God, I wish I had 10 grand in my account. Okay, then let's get creative. How are we going to make 10 grand? What does that look like? Absolutely. And I think it's that, that that's, it's that ownership. It's that empowerment and recognizing exactly as you said there, the number is just information. It's right. how you use that information and what you use that information to drive in you. It can either drive you on to find a way to make more, or you can choose for it to hold you stuck and be afraid. And, and then you're just stuck ruining every minute of your life with worry. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 110%. So given where you are now and everything you have so far achieved to date, what would you say to your younger self in terms of your money story then and now? That I would say to my young, I wish my younger self had embraced her talents and the monetization of her talents sooner. However, when I was in corporate, I had to spend a lot of time learning. So being in corporate, I worked for some fantastic global brands and they actually put me through essentially what was a, what some, to somebody else would have been a university. I just, I got paid instead of having to pay. Um, so I got to learn about, you know, things like personality profile and all of that sort of stuff. And without that, I wouldn't really know what I know today, but I would be saying to my younger self that money doesn't happen to you accidentally. Um, everything that you have is a choice. Everything you have is a choice. Not everything you do, everything you have, you choose to have money or you choose to not have money. And people that are on the breadline that are saying, well, I'm, I'm not choosing the situation. Well, as long as you stay in that situation, yes, you are. Because there's, and, and, that, and that feels an awful thing to say. And I can only say that with my hand on my heart. Having been somebody that's been dependent on benefits, having been somebody that's been dependent on, um, that, that, that feels like life has been happening to them. And, oh, well, I've got no saying it. This is just the way life is. It's not. It's not. We've just got to be more tenacious about it. There's this great saying, right, from the bee movie. Aerodynamically, bees shouldn't be able to fly. Their little wings should get their fat little bodies off the ground. And the bee doesn't care what humans think is impossible. The bee flies anyway. And that's like the whole premise for my whole business is the, is the defiant act of flying anyway. It's the defiant act of choosing better for yourself. And I think that's what I wish younger me really grasped is that in every single situation I had a choice. Every single situation I had a choice. And now, now I know that, that I'm so excited about my future because I know in every single situation I've got a choice. Yeah. And I, and I think that is the thing that very often we in the Western world in particular forget today that actually we should be really, really grateful that we have a choice. No matter what the situation is we are in, there is a way out of that situation. It's within us to find it or it's within us to look for help to find it. But mm -hmm. either way, the situation we are in is of our making and we have to choose to take that first step yep. to, get us at, to get us out of that situation. 
And that's why it's so important that the education of our children, that, that this conversation happens with our kids, because I was born into it. So I had to wait until I was able to actively give myself access to stuff. And I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know that people like you were out here, Leslie. I didn't know that, you know, that these personal development gurus or business development gurus were out. I had to go and find them. If we can educate our children and have these conversations with our children, it will allow them to break the cycle as well and to stand in front of the oncoming train, which is our ancestry, like it feels weird like ancestry is an oncoming train, but it absolutely is. As soon as you have a child, you're passing something else on to them. They're passing something else, but you've got to stop whatever cycles you are going to the, the potential to perpetuate. So by allowing ourselves to, to educate our children accordingly, telling them they get to choose. And not in that kind of dream big, you know, American dream kind of way, but actually they have choices every time they've got choices. If I'd have known that sooner, I'd have done better sooner. <laughs> Absolutely. My children get quite annoyed with me, and my eldest in particular, because for years and years and years, I've spoken about, you know, his life is a blank canvas, but the older he gets, the more his decisions are filling in that canvas. And the sooner he can grasp which he is now at 15, thank goodness. Yeah, but the yeah. sooner he could grasp the fact that he couldn't blame anything or anybody, he had to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, with money, that's with education, it's with regard to deciding what he did and didn't want to do and not be pulled along by other people and blame other people. The sooner you take that responsibility, the sooner you know the direction your life goes in is down to you. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. And how, given you have children and given what you have learned along the way, what is different between how you are bringing up your children to how you were brought up? I'm really careful with my language around the kids now. I wasn't before I, because I'd already had children by the time I was doing this work. So I remember saying to very young, so my I've, my daughters are called Poppy, Daisy and Ivy. So Poppy and Daisy are my eldest too. Um, and then we needed some foliage to finish my little bouquet off. <laughs> um, but I remember distinctly when Poppy and Daisy were little, Oh, I was awful, you know, Leslie. The ice cream van would come outside and the music would go off and like Pops or or Daisy would say, oh, the ice cream man's here. And I was like, oh, but can you hear the music? That means they've run out of ice cream. They're just telling everyone that they've run out of ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) Because I didn't have enough money to go and get them an ice cream from the ice cream van. So now they laugh at me because they know that that's not really the case. But at the time they believed me and I felt awful. But, you know, what's that noise? Oh, there's no ice there's no ice cream in the ice cream van. Instead of me having to say, I can't afford an ice cream <laughs> or we can't afford this. Actually, what I say, if there is something that maybe we can't afford, say, for example, I don't know, Poppy turned around to me and says, hey, mum, can you take me to uh, the Maldives next week, right? And if finances were the only thing that was stopping us from doing it, I'd be like, we're not able to do that right now, but let's work out how we can. So what I try to do is then teach them that 
we've got the, the, the almost like the numbers there or the fact that we haven't got the numbers there. Okay, what do we do to generate the numbers? What do we do to generate that energy so that we can do that? Um, so instead of it being a, oh, when we will do that when we win the lottery, we don't have enough to do that. You know, people like us don't do that sort of stuff. Sorry, that's just our lot. That's just the way things are. I don't use any of that language around my children now. And I'm really conscious of people around them and what they what what language they use around my kids. And my nieces as well. My, me and my sister are very, very close. So between us, we've got six kids. And I think that's, you know, between six of them, six girls, that's a power, the power bunch that we're, a power tribe that we're raising there. So we're really careful around the language that we use. And we try without being too kind of cloying, but just being very aware that we can't afford that can be exchanged with. Let's work out how we can make that happen. And then that puts the ball back in their court. And I love that. The fact it's solution focused, because that that whole approach of being solution focused can then be applied to so many aspects of their lives. Because I think there, there could be a tendency now that, you know, now that you have more money, that every ask they have, you go, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And that's not equipping them. I found myself like, exactly. like right at the start. Like even now, it's I have to pull back a little bit because I'm just so happy to be able to not be a no mom. I'm not no to everything anymore. So now we have yes days. So the like specific days, like in in the holidays, for example, right today's a yes day. What's going on? And and that'll be like a day out. So they'll say, oh, let's go to Alton Towers. Right, if we're at Alton Towers, it's a yes day. Okay, if they want something, then they can have it. But in the in the in-between days, not every day is a yes day. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's, you know, that is a good, good balance. You know, I'm part of um, a program, uh, a pilot program at a school at the moment where they are running a financial literacy program. Oh, amazing. For the pupils so that they start to think about now about the impact you know some of the decisions they are making could have on their lives to teach them about investment to teach them about the power of investment from a passive income to teach them about why it's important to be thinking about your future and not just living in the here and now and they are they're 14 so right. you know they're at that stage where they could be thinking about you know getting a little job getting a little job yes exactly what to do with their pocket money but also the part that i'm responsible for you know is the money mindset piece, that connection between, as you've already expressed so well, that connection between your self-worth and self-value and how your relationship with money isn't just the money in your bank account. It's your own personal bank account of value and worth. Right. And how you do need to decouple that relationship to a certain extent, but at the same time to understand that what you feel and think about yourself as a result of a financial situation you find yourself in doesn't and should never be the gauge for your value and your worth. You do need to separate them. But to understand that relationship as well, because you don't want it to hold you stuck. You don't want it to hold you where you are. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So important. I'm so excited that you're part of that as well. Like education for, for, for young people is 
really really high on on my additional agenda so I could look at the business that I run now and then the Fly Anyway Foundation but that education around relationships around money it needs to happen there that's the place where we can make the best impact you know saying about standing in front of that generational train and saying you know this stops with me we get to equip ourselves better but we need to equip our kids better absolutely and I love that that I the idea of the generational train I think that is a really, really powerful concept. And I think, you know, with, with everything going on at the moment in terms of empowering young people, the conversations going on around climate change, etc. Right. There can be a tendency for you know the older generations you know, to feel like they are in charge and they make the decisions. Well, actually, if they have that mindset and they're not listening to the younger generations and they're not enabling and empowering the younger generations, then that is when we're going to continue to have a serious problem. Right. But we're going to be passing it to our children and our children's children rather than them being part of how we go about alleviating it. Right. And that's absolutely petrifying. Like We've got to think about what are the gifts that we're giving to our kids? What gifts are we really giving to our kids? And the perfect saying about climate change, our, relation, our relationship as a society as a whole with money, it needs improving so that, so that we can do, A, do better things with it and enjoy life better, do all those sorts of things. But they, they, say, they say social change and, and, and changes in science happen one funeral at a time. And the problem is now, is that we can't afford to wait for that one funeral at a time, for one person to pass away, for the next hungry people to come in. We've got to really look at equipping and listening to the people who we're going to hand these gifts over to. You know, what what, what world do we want to be handing over? Well, the, like, and, and economics and money and wealth sit firmly within that as, and their decision-making abilities. No, absolutely. Could not agree with you more. Could not agree with you more. So in all the work that you do, you know, with your clients in terms of helping them to feel empowered when it comes to public speaking, mm-hmm. helping them realize they have a message to give to their audience and their future audience, what would be your message today to people listening into this with regards to them and their money story and utilising it to drive them forward? I think if we go back to the self-awareness piece, if we're really self-aware of ourselves and our worthiness, right? So we've come back to that worthiness piece that you and your talents are amazing and are worthy, then that's a real good basis to start to welcome that wealth in that it's only when you stand strong in your skills and stand strong in your abilities that you can generate that safety for the people to start to trust you with regards to what it is that you're delivering so if you I think the work on worthiness is the first thing in order to open the gate you know I was saying about you know you once you open the gate to let money in then you allow it to make a home right then that the next bit of work is then to the money that you welcome in to have the money stay around so that you can enjoy it. Right. So a lot of people, particularly in business are good at the hustle, right. Or they try to try to be good at the hustle or they're working with much more focus on the hustle than the home is work on the worthiness and not 
improving your worthiness, just seeing it, just allowing yourself to see it. Just look in the mirror and say, look, these are the things that I'm good at. Wow, aren't I incredible? Like, I'm going to toot my horn about this. Open the gate, allow yourself to monetize it fairly for yourself and for for the people that you're providing services for, and then consider the home that you're making for it there. Um, because lots of people get excited when they first start a business, people start paying them and they think it's fun money and it's not like have a think about the home. So yeah, welcome them in, work on the worthiness, bring the money home and then make a lovely home for it to stay in. Perfect message. Perfect message. So how can people or where can people find you, Danny? Or you can find me across the socials at the Queen Bee, Danny. I'm like water. I get everywhere. Uh, so once you probably, if you're listening to this podcast um, and you'll follow me across uh, on one of the social media platforms, you will find me somewhere else, if not on a stage, at a conference near you. Um, so yeah, it's at the Queen Bee, Danny. Um, give us a little cheeky follow uh, and, and say, hey, uh, get into my DMs and, and come and say, hey, please let me know if you've listened to the podcast and enjoyed it. Um, and we can have a little celebrating with who together because I've loved talking to you, uh, to you today, Leslie. I've loved it. It's been amazing. I will make sure that all your details are in the show notes and I would encourage everybody to reach out and to follow Danny because her messaging and what she does is so, so inspirational. And every time I've heard her speak, I've wanted to reach out and connect with her. I'm just so glad I had the opportunity to meet with her in person back in October. And now, lo and behold, you are on my podcast. Woo! (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. No, and thank you very, very much. It's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for being so open, sharing and providing that inspiration to everybody. It's been brilliant. Thank you for listening to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast. If you have enjoyed it, I would love it if you would tell somebody else about it. You don't have to leave a review or write a post on social media tagging me, Leslie Thomas Coaching on Instagram or the Money Mastery Business Coach on Facebook. But if you do, I promise I will give you a shout out in a future episode and I will be hugely grateful. I can also be found at Leslie-Thomas on LinkedIn. If you would like a copy of my free resource, Three Mindset Shifts to Double Your Income, then please go to leslieathomas.com forward slash let's hyphen talk hyphen money. I would love to hear from you, so please do email me at leslie at leslieathomas.com. I will reply to all messages, but please do be patient. Until next time, remember, master your mindset And in turn, you can master the money you make in your business.